Today's message is called um, Doing the Will of God or Living in the Will of God. And I want to present two pictures to you about a man who followed God's will and did God's will and how his life ascended. And the other picture is of a man who knew what was God's will, but he disobeyed the Lord point after point and how his life descended downhill. Now the Lord has said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. So that was the word that came to Abraham. And of course, there was a promise that God will bless him, make him great, and through him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But the initial command was to leave the father's house, the comfort of the father's house, to leave the civilization that he was a part of, his friends that he knew, the comfort that he had, the lifestyle and the culture that he was familiar with. Because he was 75 years old at this time. When you're 75, you have a lot of friends. You already have a lot of influence. Now where Abraham lived was in the plains. It was among people. It was among civilization. Where God told him to go was up in the mountains, the hills, the land of Canaan. So what did Abraham do? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, that he obeyed God. Everyone say he obeyed God. And he left not knowing where he was going. All right? Look at verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Look at verse 6. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And they moved from there to the mountain. Everyone say the mountain. East of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. Okay. And so that is where he begins his journey with God. And of course, we know the story. How he went down to Egypt during time of famine. How he comes back. How he begins to have engagement with God from time to time. How Lord leaves him. Lord went, goes down to the plains, but how Abraham is up in the mountains, in the hills, okay? But we see that in every point of obedience, when he's always following the will of God, his life goes stronger and stronger. He's more blessed and more blessed and more blessed. He sees the fulfillment of God's promise in his life. And later on, the Bible uses a term to call this blessed life that Abraham enjoyed called the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham included good health. The blessing of Abraham included victory over his enemies. The blessing of Abraham included God's blessing on his cattle, on his wealth, on his resources. The blessing of Abraham included God's blessing on his relationships with his neighbors, with neighboring kings. The blessing of Abraham included favor upon his life so that even kings were careful of how they related with him. The blessing of Abraham even included 
his wife's body being rejuvenated at an old age when she was 90 years old. The blessing of Abraham is a comprehensive blessing that Abraham enjoyed because of his faith in God, which God said is righteousness. God accounted Abraham to be righteous because of his faith. But when we look at the faith life that Abraham lived, and even if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, we don't have to turn there, but when you see Hebrews chapter 11, where it lists heroes of faith, beginning from Abel, and then to Enoch, and then to Noah, and to Abraham, and to Sarah, and to Jacob, and to Joseph, and Moses, Joshua, and so many others. It lists their faith accomplishments, but when you really study their lives, the faith that they had for God was not just a faith when they needed healing. It was not just a faith when they needed victory. It was not just a faith when they needed a blessing. But rather the faith life that they lived was a life of total surrender to God. And the faith that they had towards God was expressed in the daily choices. Everyone said daily choices. Where they were willing to live their life doing the will of God. Their faith was for more than just getting a victory. It was more than just getting a promotion, getting a job. Their faith was expressed in the desire to follow God, to pursue God's will, and to live in His will. See, many times people come to me, Pastor, please pray for me. I need healing. Pastor, please pray for me. I need a job. I need a miracle. I need my family to be transformed. And it seems like they have faith for that brief five minutes, for that brief one hour of prayer, they have faith. But after we pray for them, what I've noticed and observed many times is that those very same people go out of that place of prayer, but they are not interested in doing the will of God. They're not interested in living in the will of God. They're not interested in living their lives according to the will of God. I've seen that so often in Nagaland. And so even though it seems like they have faith because they came for prayer, let me tell you this, they have no faith at all. That is not faith. Faith is a life that is completely surrendered to God where you are willing to do His will and live in His will. Can you say Amen? Every single one of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 were people who were committed to doing the will of God. Living in the will of God. That is something very strange to Nagaland Christianity. Because faith is not just a religion. Christianity is not just a culture or a tradition. It's a living relationship with God, but it's more than just a relationship where you have intimacy. It's a relationship where you begin to live your life according to His will. How many of you know God created us for His pleasure and His glory? Can I see your hands? Amen. And when God gives us salvation, He gives us the new birth 
He makes us new creations and He gives us a new identity as sons and daughters of God. He gives us a new identity as the righteousness of God. He gives us a new identity as kings and priests in His kingdom. Now, that new identity He has given us is not only for our validation. It is not only for our encouragement. It is not only for us to be blessed and to live a victorious life. No, the new identity that He has given us is also so that we can live according to His will. That identity comes with a responsibility. That privilege to be called sons of daughters of God comes with a responsibility. And that is living His will. Can we say Amen? A person who has faith. Well, let me say this again. A person who says he has faith, but is not interested in doing God's will, is an imposter. I want that to sink in right now. A person who says he has faith. A person who says he believes in Jesus. I believe all of you believe in Jesus, yes or no? Otherwise, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday morning. A person who says he believes in Jesus but is not interested in doing the will of God is an imposter, is a fake. Today, we'll have so many candidates go to church and pray. So many people involved in elections to go to church and pray and ask for God's blessing, ask for God's victory and so on. And that time of prayer is wonderful because in that moment of prayer, everything seems so religious, everything seems so powerful. But my suspicion is that the majority of them will go out and not do the will of God. They will conduct themselves opposite to the will of God after they have prayed. That's what we call imposter, fake. Amen. See, Abraham followed God in a relationship where he was doing God's will. That God called the life of faith. Faith is for more than just getting something from God. Faith is a complete life where you have chosen to live in the will of God for your life. Can you say Amen? See, one of the most important things God has given to us is free will. Turn to your neighbor and say free will. That is the image of God that we carry. The ability to make our own choices. We are not robots controlled by God. We are not manipulated and forced by the Holy Spirit to do something that we don't want to do. Every one of you came to church by your own free will. You gave into the offering by your own free will. But your free will was influenced by the truth of God's Word, which encourages us to give. Your free will was influenced by the Holy Spirit that spoke in your heart to give and to come. But yet, your free will was not overrided by the Holy Spirit. 
God gave you the ability to choose and you chose. That's called free will. It's a gift from God. It's what makes us different from animals. It's what makes us different from any creature in creation. Can we say amen? Now we know that God is absolutely sovereign. But on the other hand, He's also given free will to mankind. And how those two function sometimes is a mystery. That despite the sovereignty of God, God still honors our free will. And despite our free will, God's sovereign will always, in the end, comes to pass. But the responsibility that we have is free will. And a free will must be aligned to His will. And that is how we begin to live according to His will, how we do His will. It's a choice that we make doing the will of God daily. And we must understand the responsibility upon us as Christians to do the will of God even tomorrow. I've heard many other Christians say, if it is God's will for me to stop drinking, God will make me stop drinking. And they keep on drinking. And so they come to the conclusion, maybe it's not God's will for me to stop drinking because He did not make me stop. God's not going to make you do anything. The reason why you're drinking is because you want to drink. And even though the Holy Spirit convicts you in your heart, you have given your will to the bottle so many times that your will has been weakened and destroyed by the alcohol. So that now you are controlled and you cannot say no. You know why? Because every little decision where you surrender your will to sin, you surrender your will to something that's wrong, it weakens you. It, it, it decimates the strength of your spirit. It, it, it destroys your self-control to the point where you cannot exercise your free will anymore. That's how sin operates. That's how the devil operates. So when we say things like, if it is God's will for me to stop drinking, that's stupidity. God will give us grace. God will give us truth. God will empower us. God will put us in a community that will help us. But we have a choice. And every time you exercise a choice for good, it strengthens you. Strengthens your soul. It adds something to you. Every time you make a decision to do opposite to the will of God, it weakens you. It destroys your soul. Go to Jonah. The book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, chapter 1. The son of Amittai saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. So that was the will of God for Jonah. Verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. Tarshish is the opposite of Nineveh. From the presence of the Lord. Now notice, the presence of the Lord is similar to the will of God. How many of you want to enjoy the presence of the Lord all the time? Can I see your hands? The presence of the Lord is in the will of God also. So if you want to do opposite to the will of God, you cannot enjoy His presence. So, Jonah 
arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa. Joppa is in the seashore. He was up on the hills, maybe Jerusalem, up on the mountains. That's where prophets spend time with the Lord. He went down. Everyone said he went down. Underline that if you can. And found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it. Notice he's going down. Everyone say down. Turn to your neighbor and say down. To go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. And so they were all crying out. Look at verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. Every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But John had gone down. Everyone say down. Into the lowest parts of the ship. Can you notice? He's going downwards and downwards. And every step he's taking further away from God is taking him down more and more. And laying down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Okay. So the long story cut short is that they were crying out. And Jonah knew exactly why the storm came. And he confessed that it's because of me. And he told them, throw me overboard because that's the only way you can save yourself. Look at verse 14. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. Do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. Can you notice he's going lower? Lower and lower. And the sea ceased from his raging. Verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And while he was there, he compared it to being like in hell. I cried out to the Lord, verse chapter 2, verse 2, because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Here, we see that Jonah exercised his free will. He wasn't forced. He wasn't manipulated by God to do his will. But he knew what the will of God was and he chose to go in the opposite direction. See, all of us have free will. And you have the free will to decide who you will serve. Who you will serve. The Bible tells us repeatedly, serve the Lord with all faithfulness. The second thing about the free will is this. We have free will to decide if we will obey or disobey. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, the Bible says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. God has given us free choice every day to obey or to disobey His will. Taking money to sell your votes is disobedience to God. Yes, it may not be clearly spelled out in the scriptures, but yet it is unrighteousness. It is dishonesty. It is destructive to the future of our state. It is destructive to the psyche of the people, the consciousness, the morality of the land. So it is disobedience to God's will. 
Now it is so amazing that all of us are praying in Nagaland for God's blessing and then we are trying to get it by disobedience. I'm not saying you're going to do it because I know that you guys won't do it. But I'm just making a point so that we understand the truth and understand where our faith should be in such times and how we can at least speak to some uncle or auntie <laughs> running around in the village right now. Amen. Number three, we have free will to decide between life or death. Life or death. The thing about free choice is this. You have the ability to choose what you want to. But once you choose, you are bound to your choice. The consequences will come according to your choice. You have the freedom to choose, but once you choose, you are a slave to your choice. That's why I choose carefully who you marry. Right? Every choice will lead to life or to death. There is life in every choice. It, it is the life of God or it is the life of the devil. It's the sting of the devil. It's the bite of the serpent in every choice. Look at Abraham. He obeyed God. And there was a cost to his choice. Do you know that doing the will of God is costly? He left his father's house. He left his place of comfort. He left his friends. He had to pack all his belongings, take his wife and his children, whatever he had from you know, adopted and so on, slaves. And he had to make a journey up to the hills. See, the scripture has a symbol for walking with God. It is called walking up to the mountains. Moses went up on the mountain to listen to God, to speak to God. In Psalms chapter 24, it says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? That means when you're walking with God, it's like walking up the hills. It's like walking up the mountains. The promised land was up in the hills. Canaan, Israel is a hilly place. So you have to leave the plains. The plains represent worldliness. The plains represent the life of compromise. And you have to walk up the hills. That's what Moses, uh, that's what Abraham did. He made his tent up in the hills. He had to part with Lot, his nephew, very close to him, but someone who compromised. He had to part. He had to let go of Hagar and Ishmael. Because that was not the will of God. He had to be willing to sacrifice Isaac. So it was costly for Abraham to follow the will of God, to do the will of God. But let me tell you this. It is more costly not to do the will of God. It is more costly not to do the will of God. Look at Jonah. The moment he decided that he's going to go in the opposite direction, disobey God, he goes down to Joppa. From Joppa, he goes down into the boat. Then he goes down into the lowest part of the boat. His life is downhill. And then he's thrown into the sea. And then he ends up in the belly of a whale. Now, when, Joppa, when, when, when Jonah was deciding, I'm not going to go to Nineveh, he never imagined 
I'm going to end up in the belly of the fish. That was not his plan. See, when you choose to disobey God, maybe tomorrow morning, I don't know. (laughs) Your plan is not, I'm going to end up in the belly of a fish. Because no one chooses to disobey God with destruction for his life in mind. But yet, every little decision you make to disobey is going to take you further downhill and downhill and downhill. And one day you will end up in the belly of a fish where it's going to be like hell for you. But for Abraham, every decision he made to obey God took him higher and more blessed and more blessed and more blessed. What is the truth here? The truth is this. Your daily choices to do the will of God. Daily choices, all right? Every time you choose the right thing, you choose the will of God, it adds grace to you that you did not have before. You see, when you have to make a sacrifice, I'm going to read the Bible for one hour. You're going to sacrifice that time instead of watching something else. So it feels like you're losing something, that pleasure, that joy, that entertainment, you're going to lose it. But what you lose is nothing compared to what you will gain. Because God will release grace into you and that grace is going to take you to a higher place. Every time you do the will of God, there is strength added to you. There's grace added to you. And I'm not telling you to wait for four years till you go to the mission field and grace will come. No, it's a daily thing. When you choose to forgive daily, there's grace added to you. When you choose to be honest daily, there's grace added to you. But have you realized that when you lie, anyone lied ever? Yes, when you lie, it gets easier to lie the next time, yes or no? And it gets easier to lie again, yes or no? And the more you lie, the more web you spin for yourself and you cannot get out of that mess. See, doing the will of God is like walking uphill. Because when you do the will of God, it may seem like it's painful to your flesh. And yet, God takes you high. And God takes you higher. And God takes you higher. And God takes you higher. And God takes you higher to the point where the same temptations you faced when you were young, it doesn't affect you as much when you're high up with God. Because you have done the will of God continually, daily. But when you choose to disobey God, I'm not talking about murder. I'm not talking about robbing a bank. I'm talking about gossiping. I'm talking about lying. I'm talking about cheating. I'm talking about not walking in forgiveness daily. When you choose to disobey God daily, what happens is that it subtracts from you. It minuses from your life. It destroys a part of your soul to the point where it takes you downwards. It's a gradual thing. It's not a sudden thing. The one that you realize you're in the belly of a well. 
It's suffocating. Oh, I'm feeling so oppressed. Oh, I'm feeling like... But do you know that whatever has happened that has brought you to the place of oppression, it started months before. It started years before. When you made that initial small decision, do not do the will of God, maybe even just in your heart. Every decision doing the will of God adds something to you. Adds something to you. You will never lose doing the will of God. What you surrender is nothing compared to what you get in return. What God puts in your life in return. But when you, not, when you do not do the will of God thinking that you are getting something in return, some illicit pleasure, some gain to yourself, for example, people are selling their votes for 10,000, 50,000, thinking that they're gaining in return. They're not gaining. They're cutting their own feet. Not only for themselves, for the generations that are coming after them. For their children. It's subtracting. It's more than just something that happens in that brief moment where the money has changed and then you go to prayer house and just confess all your sins. Oh, after elections. That's the Naga mindset. We don't know that it is destroying our moral psyche as a people. Amen. It's taking us downwards. Who do we have to blame? Everyone. Everyone is to blame. When we have preaching without revelation, this is the result. Revelation of spiritual truths. Where preaching is only just related to what to do, what not to do, doctrines and just traditions of a church where there's no revelation of what happens in the spirit. You must get a revelation of what obedience is. It's more than just obey. You must get a revelation of what the will of God is and how it impacts your destiny more than just, this is the word of God, do it. Get a revelation. Doing the will of God will take you higher upwards like Abraham's life. Doing what is not God's will will take you downwards like Jonah. Can you say Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you blessed today? Some of you are looking at me as if you're not blessed. <laughs> you're not happy with the word. God's will. How do I discover God's will? How do I do God's will? Okay. Romans chapter 12, if you look at verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, right, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And the verse 2 is important for us to understand. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not think like this world. Do not live life like this world. Do not practice the things of this world. But be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Right? So before you know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, your mind needs to be renewed. 
Everyone say, my mind needs to be renewed. Now, there is no way you can renew your mind unless it is through the Word of God. The renewing of your mind is the process of replacing lies with truth. Replacing myth and all wives' fables with the truth of God's Word. Replacing fear with peace, which comes from the Word of God. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So the only way that you're going to begin to know God's will and do God's will daily is, number one, by reading the Word of God. Let me give you some very, very simple daily steps that you can do daily, which is the will of God for you. And when you begin to do the simple daily will of God for your life, it will lead to the bigger will of God for your life. Because even the will of God can be understood in different levels and stages. Some Christians are like, oh yes, pastor, I want to do the will of God. Oh, I want to go to mission trip. Oh, I want to give big money. Oh, I want to go and heal somebody somewhere. And they're thinking of the big thing, but they're not doing the small daily things. For most of us, what you need to know is the daily will of God for your life. And just do that. When you begin to do the daily will of God for your life, it will add more. You will know the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. It happens in stages and as a process. Can you say amen? So let me give you certain simple points. Number one, what's the daily will of God for my life? Write this down. This is God's will for you. Okay, so don't call me and say, Pastor, can you pray and say what God's will for my life is? Right? So many people text me on Instagram and say, Pastor, can you please pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what is God's will for my life? And I can suspect that those people never read the Bible. But they want to know what God's will for their life is. So let me tell you what's God's will for your life daily. Are you ready for the big prophetic revelation? Number one, read your Bible. Read your Bible daily. That's not just a commandment. That's not just something we do because it's a good habit. No, it's God's will for your life. It's God's will. Oh, Pastor, uh, please pray. Uh, should I go to uh, Africa? Should I go to Asia for, uh, to be a missionary? What's God's will for my life? Do you read the Bible every day? No. So you want to jump from A to Z. You want to go to gym one day and come out like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> right? See, sometimes we think the answer to every spiritual problem is 10 days prayer. Three days of dry fasting. That's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie. There's nothing wrong in fasting. But you cannot fast forward the process of God, the process of God, simply by dry fasting. You cannot fast forward. Read your Bible every day. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The picture here is of a lamp that shows you the next few steps. Not the whole journey. 
but the next few steps. And if you will just read the word daily and do what is in the word daily, it will take you on the path where you will walk with God and you will begin to see the big picture being fulfilled in your life. Number two, what is God's will for my life? Do you want to know the big heavy revelation? Pray daily. Just do this too. Read the word daily. Pray daily. Psalm 63 verse 1. The psalmist says, Early will I seek you, O Lord. With all my heart, I will seek you. You are my God. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. I will seek you. It's God's will for you every day to pray. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is God's will for you. Pray every day. Sounds very simple. But I tell you, it's very powerful. Because these two things, you read the Bible and you pray. You're doing God's will. It's adding something to you. It's adding something to you because you don't realize that just by reading the Bible and praying every day, how God is putting grace in you so that you're not going to be destroyed by the temptations of the enemy. How God's going to protect you from destruction simply by doing these two things. The problem is we want prophetic revelation, dreams, visions, everything without having these two established in our lives. The third thing is this. Are you ready? Obey the commands He puts on your heart daily. What He puts on your heart daily, after you read and pray, you obey it. Psalms 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O God. God's will must be done. Obey daily the commands He puts on your heart. If you feel in your heart, you need to forgive, forgive. You don't need the prophet to come and prophesy over you to forgive. You just forgive. You know forgiveness is the will of God. And yet many of us just carry offense. See, don't even think about the nations. Don't even think about, oh, I'm going to be a prophet, an apostle. If you're not willing to do the daily little things He puts on your heart to do. Amen. I remember early on in my walk with God, as I'm spending time with Him, one day He put on my heart this desire to throw away all my novels fiction novels to throw away all my secular music CDs and tape that I had of secular music so I obeyed I collected them all and threw them into the dustbin quite expensive but that was what God put on my heart when those things left my life there was something added into my heart. Strength. A purity. See, 
Sometimes, you know, you will sense it in your own heart when you obey God and you let go of what is not right. There is just this deep, how do I say it? Strength that you begin to sense in your spirit as you're walking with Him. I wouldn't say it's holiness. It's more than just holiness where it's clean living. It's, it's a purity of soul. It's, it's righteousness. It's a strength from deep within. It's something that really establishes you further in your walk with Him. And the more you do that as you walk with Him, I tell you, it builds walls of righteousness over your life. So obey daily the little things that He puts on your heart to do. The fourth is this. This is God's will for your life. Join a godly community. Join a godly community means join a church, a place of fellowship, for accountability, for protection, for fellowship. It's God's will for your life. It's God's will for every Christian to be in a church. If you say, oh, I'm not a Christian, but I don't want to join the church because I don't want to be responsible. I don't want to be, you know, uh, seen by people. I want to hide. You are not doing God's will. And if you cannot do God's will, which He's showing you so clearly right now, how can you do God's will further down the road, which is connected with a bigger blessing and a bigger responsibility? We want the bigger, but we're not willing to do the small, which is presently revealed to us right now. It's God's will for you to be part of a godly community. There's no confusion in that. It's God's will for every Christian to be part of a church. And if you're confused about pastor, uh, should it be traditional church or should it be this church? Join the church that feeds your soul, that you're blessed with. But you must understand God wants you to take those steps of obedience and boldness. God wants every son and daughter to be connected to a family. Amen. Fifth point. Surrender your desires to God daily in your time of prayer. Surrender your personal desires to God daily. So this is going deeper where you want to be in business, you want to be um, in the music industry, you want to be in the government field, your parents are telling you, write the exams. Surrender that to the Lord. Don't just do because your parents are telling you. Because one day, you'll be very angry with them when you're 33 years old, 35 years old, I don't know, past the age, and you've tried so many times, and you don't have a job, you don't have a career, you don't have any skills for anything in life, you'll be angry with your parents. Because of you, I did the exams, and now I don't have a job, I don't have a career. Do 
Do you know that it's more important to follow God's will than your parents' wills? And let me tell you this. Many times your parents' will is not the will of God for your life. And disobeying your parents is okay when you're obeying God. You must understand this. Disobeying your parents and disobeying even your Baptist churches is okay. Disobeying the pastor is also fine. If you are following God's will. Now, don't go out and be crazy and say, Pastor Sean said, go and disobey everyone. No. You have to communicate it and say, I know that, talk to your parents and say, I know you want me to do this, but I prayed. I really felt in my heart, this is not my calling and I don't want to be in this field. You talk with honor, with reverence, with respect. Wait on the Lord. Be patient and yet communicate. And when you do that in honor and in love, there is nothing wrong in disobeying your parents. If what you are obeying is the will of God, not your own will. Are you with me? Because the will of God is paramount. The will of God is the highest. The will of God is the most important. Do you know that God is not obligated to bless you? Unless you are in His will. Following and obeying His commands. Now, there is a command called honor your father and mother and obey them, right? So that's also a command of God. But do you know that there is a higher command to that? The higher command is obey Him first. There is a command that says honor the government. But there is a higher command to that. It's called obeying God. Now, when we do the lesser commandment and we disregard the higher commandment, there is no blessing there. Because if your father tells you to sell your vote, because many fathers in the villages, they do that. And out of obedience to your father, because the Bible also says, honor your father and mother, you do it, there is no blessing there. Just taking a very simple example. Are you following me? Because it must all be in alignment. Your obedience to your father, your obedience to the government must also be in alignment to God's will. It must always flow from the top of the pyramid, which is God's will first. And in alignment to that, I will also obey my parents, I'll obey the church, and I will obey the government. But if any of these ask me to do something opposite to the will of God, I cannot do that. That means I cannot follow society if it's against the will of God. Society says homosexual marriage is fine nowadays. Gender dysphoria is fine. But the word of God says something different. So I have to follow the word of God. Do you follow me? Do the will of God. Because that is a life of faith. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We can also mean, without doing the will of God, it is impossible to please Him. 
because it requires faith to do the will of God. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.